is me. All right? I'm not a fucking athlete. This is my fucking way. This is how I win. Let's fucking bet on this. And welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, March 30th. This is Film Session, and today we're breaking down the American thriller, Uncut Gems. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me, via the power of technology, Tass Mellis. Tass Mellis, the American thriller is here. We got the bearded one, <laughs> Trey Kirby on the horn. Ayo! 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 The international man of mystery, taking it to the Max Lielis. Friends. Mm. And last but not least, the man making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Before we take a long, hard look at that opal, you guys got to email us your NBA questions and comments to nodunksattheathletic.com. We'll be beach-stepping later this week, so keep those cues and comments coming in. Follow us on social media, both Twitter and Instagram, at nodunksinc. We had a lot of fun uh, last week, or I guess it was over the weekend, doing a bit of a Q&A with you guys out there. I think we got to do that again, and there's some talk about trying to figure out uh, the cards, self-isolation cards, right, Lily? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think it's going to work. Yeah, I just oh, okay. have to uh, set it up there and uh, and get a pack going, and uh, hopefully we can have some fun later in the week. Okay, so keep your eye on that, and uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you know we're on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/nodunksinc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. Okay, guys. So, uncut gems released in 2019. Uh, the directors, the Safdie brothers. Starring Adam Sandler, Lakeith Stanfield, Julia Fox, and of course, the reason really why we're tackling this, Kevin Garnett. The IMDb synopsis, with his debts mounting and angry collectors closing in, a fast-talking New York City jeweler risks everything in hopes of staying afloat and alive. Running time, about 2 hours and 15 minutes. Not a pretty long movie, rated R. And this was crazy. Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score, 92%. The audience score, 52%. It's quite the difference there between uh, what the mm. critics thought of Uncut Gems and what the audience sort of thought. Um, but let's hear what you guys think. So my first question, I'm going to throw this at you first, Trey. Is this even a basketball movie? <laughs> to me, this is not a basketball movie, but more so a gambling movie about basketball. Uh, we're talking about basketball scenes maybe three times in the entire movie, and it's yeah. all footage of games that actually happened. We're not seeing... You know, Kevin Garnett and Adam Sandler go out there and have a pickup game to determine who gets to take home the black opal. That being said, excellent gambling movie, but is it a basketball movie? Nah, it just has a basketball player in it. Yeah, does it have, like, like you're saying, in order to be a really a basketball movie, does there have to be between the characters that you're following basketball played and not just like television footage? I think that's, that's sort of where I draw the line too, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, but, but what? I'll say, though, that like, like, like the central theme, though, you know, revolves around Kevin Garnett and this opal. And, yeah. you know, the big, big, you know, uh, climax revolves around gambling on a big game of basketball, you know, on an outcome. So I would say it is a basketball movie, even if it's a bit of a, a you know, a loose connection because there's so many other things going on. But, I mean, throughout this whole movie, it really kicks off when Kevin Garnett becomes obsessed with this, this opal. You know, and so, I will say that uh, there was a layup converted by Adam Sandler in a practice gym. You're right. Okay, okay. <laughs> good fact check there, Tass. You're right. I, uh, I sit corrected. That's a good call. There was a shot taken by one of the characters. <laughs> the only shot taken. The only shot. Yeah. The only hey, shot. it's so, more than Samuel Jackson did in Coach Carter. That guy dribbled <laughs> one right. time and that's it. <laughs> he also stole the ball, as I remember. <laughs> yeah, nice yeah. little poke from behind there. Uh, very Rondo-like, actually. Good uh, good wingspan on Sandler. Uh, what do you think, J.D.? Is it a basketball movie? Um, no. 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 It, uh, no, it's a gambling movie with basketball in it. Did you enjoy the movie? Um, I love the movie. You do? I did, yeah. I liked it oh. way more than I thought I would. I, I sat down in a bad mood. I was like, I'm gonna hate this movie. I'm just gonna hate watch this movie, and I don't care because I've heard I've heard so many good things about this, and uh, everybody on all the viewers on uh, Rotten Tomatoes they got it right, I think. And I'm just gonna hate this movie. And the first 11 minutes, I'm like, Yep, I hate this movie, all right. But then I was like, God damn, this is a good movie. Wait, wait, when did it change for you? I guess so. The movie starts, and it's. Uh, 
you know, there's this, the 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 scene with the mine. Yeah. And the guy who gets hurt and then we go into the gym and the gym ends up in in uh, Adam Sandler's ass and I thought that was actually cool and I was like, "Okay, that's pretty clever, I guess." <laughs> and then and then the score, the 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 uh the score was so irritating. And then I realized at one point, basically it goes for 11 minutes. This, this, this montage basically from the gym into, uh, the colonoscopy. And then Adam Sandler was walking into his shop and it's just this nonstop stranger things, Vangelis, uh, trippy, synthy thing. Yeah. Uh, and then and then he gets slapped by the 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 tough guy, right? Like the guy who's there to collect the Arno's debt. And I was expecting the music to stop, and I'm like, wait, why didn't the music stop? And the other thing that happens is that the credits are still rolling, so it's like, is this the theme to the movie? Like, like what is going on here? And then I realized I'm supposed to hate this. I'm supposed to hate how awful this is making me feel the tension that it is creating within me is the tension that adam sandler's character howard is feeling right and Mm -hmm. he gets slapped and i expected the music to sort of stop and like snap him out of it but it didn't because he had so many plates spinning in the air still he had whoever that was this who was the was that a rapper in the store at that in that first scene like the, uh, that, uh, oh, that Damini yeah, brings yeah. in. There's a he's sort of like a, a newly signed artist. I sort of got. Yeah, maybe. I think that's what we're supposed to believe. Yeah, that that um, Lakeith Stanfield's character brings him these guys, right? Yeah, like be it celebrities of some sort, either sports people or music people. Yeah, exactly. So he can't stop spinning those plates. So the music doesn't stop. I was like, okay, I'm I'm with it. And then by the end of the movie, I loved the score. Like loved it. Like this score is going to go down as. This will be imitated moving forward. Wow. It's, it's that good. Because of just the impact it had on your viewing experience of making you feel like you're, you're on edge for exactly. two hours. Because that's, I mean, does everybody agree? Like, you literally are just, like, wound up like a tight ball for two hours, like the characters in the movie? <laughs> I think that's I, 100% I, 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 right. I, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably why the audience score is so low because, I mean, this is a stressful movie. The score plays into it, the, you know, just the volume of the movie, how loud everybody is in the movie, how much yelling there is, how many things are going on, how shaky the camera is. Everything is incredibly stressful. Probably about half the people like having that stress put on their body from watching a movie and another half do not, which is why yeah. you're at 50% for the audience. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah, and I think that's probably why the critics number is so high because it achieved what it was supposed to achieve because he called it American thriller off the top. And that's what it did. Exactly. It Mm -hmm. definitely kept me on the edge of my seat, even when things weren't happening. Uh, Like for example, when Adam Sandler goes into New York city and his son has to uh, take a quick dump uh, in in, in the, uh, in the neighbor's apartment and he gets into his car, they go home his wife tells him, "Hey, take the garbage out before you get come back inside." And he uh, he pulls the the cool dad move of propping both garbage cans up and dragging them both out. And I thought for sure he was going to get hit on the street as he pulled both of those out. I was I was definitely yeah. in total suspense. Every single scene, nothing happened in that scene, but it did achieve that that thriller vibe the whole time. I I, I think it failed for me in that I didn't really care what happened to Adam Sandler, the character. Uh, but maybe maybe that doesn't really matter. Uh, maybe the fact that it is a thriller and that um, I, I was riveted the entire time was basically basically the point. Yeah, I like Nora watching this with me too after it ended. I do like the movie too. And it, I was like, oh my God, that was a wild two hours and that was crazy. And uh, I mean, we're going to break it all down. But she was like, but who was I to cheer for? Who do I like in this movie? Um and it, it's, it is a difficult question. I think it's sort of speaking to what you're saying there, Tass. It's like, I don't really, I don't care for Howard's character that much. And then all these henchmen trying to get the money from him. I don't care about them. And even the girlfriend. And like, it's like Garnett is the, I mean, maybe it's because we're NBA fans too. Like Garnett's fun to root for in this movie. And he's such a great actor in it. And we'll get to that. But it's like, Nora was like, who was I, who was the good person in this movie? And maybe that's why some people don't like it as well. That some people sort of need that, I guess, in a movie. Um, someone to to root for or to care for, and that sort of does lack. I don't. Lee, do you sort of agree with that? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, similar to what JD said, I, I really didn't like the start of this movie. Like, you know, Adam Sandler, his, his character's a bad husband, he's a bad father, bad businbusinessman, bad dresser, bad gambler, everything about him. <laughs> I thought you would love the shirts like, he was wearing. Wow, in this shots movie. fired. Oh, yeah. No, man. I was like, oh, God, those clothes are awful. I mean, <laughs> you know, the suit was too big for him as well when he's walking around there. Um, Not one but, pair of shorts. You know, and, no, not a pair of shorts. Lee, and I, I can you picture know, so you I, in a giant leather jacket like he was wearing most of this yeah. movie. You definitely had one of those in 1995. <laughs> well, that may be true, but uh, anyway, <laughs> getting getting back to the movie. Um, so the, the funny thing was, I hated the movie, I hated him. But then at some point, I don't know why, I started to then cheer for him and hope that he would get things turned around. Um, and he, and you know, and but then when you see him go back into those bad habits, uh, you know, of gambling again and getting how how sort of caught up and how easily he gets sucked into, you know, making these huge bets that have got such a dire consequences if they don't pay off, then you start thinking like, oh man, I wish he'd learn his lesson. This guy, you know, yeah. I wish he'd just calm down for five minutes. Um, the movie to me actually had a bit of a feel of snatch to it you know like um the way mm-hmm. that they were all fighting over the over the you know or the opal just causes so much trouble and you know there's so much sort of chaos and drama and that non-stop you know like you're saying um skeets there with uh you know with nora saying who do you cheer for it's a little bit like that in in snatch i feel you're sort of not quite yeah. sure who you should be cheering for um and they're all fighting this this one particular element sort of creates so many different storylines um and and how everyone is just so obsessed by buy it buy a diamond or an opal and um so i sort of felt you know a little bit like that and and just the swearing and the fighting and the bickering and the double crossing and all that sort of stuff you know you just you come out of it you feel kind of dirty you're like oh you know i just don't trust anybody i i hate that life that they live you know that dirty that dirty underworld of jewelry you know you can just imagine it in new york city what it must be like living in that world and and how cash is king and everyone's just trying to screw each other over um so it was i i I, overall i liked the movie but i did go through quite a few different emotions throughout right yeah he is uh, such a schmuck but you are at times i guess sort of rooting for him um no you're not you're not wrong about that and then i mean what did what did everybody think about garnett in his role uh did he like give us one of the best sort of performances by an athlete in a movie that you can think of or is it more like we sort of know garnett having been around him at turner like he was just being himself of course he's actually playing kevin garnett in the movie for crying out loud and that's that energy that kg brings in the movie is what exactly what we've experienced seeing him uh limited times around the turner studios I think both is true. I think he was incredible in this movie, and I think he was largely being himself, but you really can't picture another NBA player as that. Just the can't-sit-still energy, the always intense, always competing, always ready to rage, basically, Kevin Garnett, and just the intensity he brings to, like, looking at a stone is the intensity you would think he would bring to looking at a stone as a real person, but he does it in the movie. There is, you know, like, uh, they have said that there were other players they considered for this role. Kobe, Amari Stoudemire, Joel Embiid, like none of those guys, maybe Kobe would have fit for the intensity part, but just like the manic energy that Garnett brings to the role, I think he's perfect for it. Yeah, I can't actually picture any of those other people playing the role that KG did. Like he said, that amped up, like, I need this, um, I need this Opal, I need this Rock. Uh, like Embiid is interesting because I guess there was the... The, the connection that he was like, he would have the connection to the African stone, right? Um, from being mm. like there, you know, um, which is sort of interesting. Mm. And then there's the whole Amari, like, uh, you know, becoming, adopting uh, Judaism and stuff like that. So there's that angle too. But yeah, they had to do a bunch of rewrites until they eventually landed on KG. Something like 160 so we, we, drafts in this movie. I yeah. Yeah. Crazy. You know, when, when I was watching KG there, I was thinking like how much of his scenes were just like react to what the other character is saying this is the sort of scene we're trying to create because Mm -hmm. i i don't think he was memorizing words it certainly didn't look like it looked like you know as you mentioned there you know that's kg just sort of get him going get him hyped up like that scene where it was before game seven where he came in to close that deal there with Adam Sandler for the for the Opal, yeah. and he was asking him how much of that cost, and then Adam Sandler kind of really turned it around and put it on him, and you could sort of see the shift in momentum in that scene, and I thought that was I thought that was really good because it sort of showed KG, you know, being motivated, being fired up, and someone else bringing out that little energy in him, um, 
And I, I just thought, I thought that's incredible acting if KG's going, you know, off, off a dialogue for that. Or if it's just the directors are saying, this is what we want, just be yourself. Because it really, to me, looked like, you know, the KG that we used to see around the Turner offices, just babbling away to himself, talking himself up and yeah. then getting himself into that sort of uh, mood. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Um, you know, obviously the dialogue is written to some extent, but there is, I, I've read like parts where Sandler's just throwing at him. Like uh, there's that part where he says, who wins in a fight, Ben Wallace or Tony Allen? And I don't think that was in a script. It was just hmm. chucked at him. And then like KG without missing a beat is like TA all the way or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is a great hypothetical, by the way. Ben Wallace versus Tony Allen. Damn, <laughs> I don't know who you take in that. I think Ben Wallace, to be honest, but you know, Tony Allen's a dog. I don't know. Former teammate, former teammate. That's, <laughs> That's right. It was, it was an easy one. That was a, that was a softball for KG. True, true. I think everything, everything in this movie was kind of a softball for KG. He didn't really have a lot of talking lines until that last scene with Adam Sandler in, in, in the room there. It, he, they didn't overextend him, and that's uh, credit to the, the directors and the producers. There just there wasn't a lot of uh, – there, he didn't have to memorize, as Lee sort of said. There, he didn't have to memorize a lot. It was just KG being KG. He didn't have to act. Really? Um, yeah, it's he, just he, him. He, yeah, he was just playing basketball, and then, and then he had a post game interview. I mean, that's that was, uh, it, it, yeah, it was him. It was kudos to the the director and 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 producer for making that happen that way. Was it believable to everyone? Um, like KG's here in New York on game days while a series is going on that's being played in, in Boston and Philadelphia. Now, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I, what is, I guess they say it even at one point, they drive to Philly, right? Like a two-hour drive? Yeah, like, uh, it, was it believable that he could be going to basically the three cities uh, over the span of this movie? Um, no problem with that with, for anybody? I would have liked a little bit more scene setting. Maybe Adam Sandler's like having a bagel so we know it's actually breakfast time. There'll yeah. be enough time yeah. for KG to make it back. I was a little nervous for him. There was a moment well, where I was like, Are, is this supposed to be in Boston? Because, uh, it, it, yeah, it did strike me as weird that he would be in the Diamond District <laughs> the day of a game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did the. I did. I looked on Google, and it's a three and a half hour drive back to Boston. Now he might have a private jet because remember Vince Carter went out to North Carolina on Game Seven of a uh, of a big yeah. series, but yeah, he, yeah. he had the private jet. So I guess it does happen. But you certainly, if you're Doc Rivers, you know you probably want your team to know where your players are. One of your key players, and someone's in New York <laughs> buying buying jewelry. You're probably like, I'm not sure if that's exactly where I want him right now. But uh, yeah, I, I, I was again a bit like JD. I was thinking like, are they sort of are we supposed to assume this is like he's done you know morning shoot around, and he's in his own city <laughs> in Boston, you know, rather than just like. You know, I mean, where where is he? But uh, it's it sort of, yeah, I guess that's maybe just when you're a basketball fan, you just kind of like, you ask those questions. But if you're not a super NBA yeah. player, you, you, uh, fan, you're probably like, uh, who knows, who cares? You know, I don't know. It's uh... <laughs> Well, speaking about was the it... basketball part, maybe I was a little jaded in the fact that I got to watch a basketball game while watching a movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, during this NBA hiatus, I've barely watched basketball, but this Basically, an entire Game 7 was presented to me, which was pretty neat. Yeah? And I was watching it with a gambler. So maybe I'm, you know, it was, it, was, it was fun, but maybe that swayed me into liking it more. I, I will say, like, credit to, you know, to, to the guys that did write this, because whoever did really tapped into, you know, the essence of a true uh, gambler, uh, someone with a real gambling problem, because... Early on, when we learn that he's betting on that that first game that KG's got the opal, he's takes you know they've swapped it for the ring and stuff like that. Howard's freaking out. Sandler's freaking out over the Sixers going up five zero like early in the game, <laughs> and that is like that is a true gambling problem. Like you've bet on the game, and you're doing the classic uh, my buddy Grish where the game's over because it's five nothing in a basketball game, and he's like legit panicking because Drew Holiday just hit a three. That is. That's real. In, in my experience, being around some people that might have a gambling problem, they uh, they're all they're like, "Oh God, it's already over," and the you know the one shot is made. So they they nailed that, in my opinion. 
the stakes they're gambling for are a little more extreme than our pick and payoff that we have every month, isn't it? Really? <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe he's throwing into parlays uh, the opening tip. Yeah. And I know oh, you're going man. against Spencer Hawes, who doesn't have the ups, but uh, Jesus Murphy. Yeah. Oh my God. I'd leave that one out of the parlay, but hey, you nailed it both times. Um, yeah, it's either going to be Spencer Hawes or Elton Brand doing the jump. So yeah. actually, maybe a smart bet. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess he's, uh, he seemed to know, he knew his basketball. You know, that, that was believable to me, like that Howard and his sort of family, like his kids and all that, they were all like huge NBA fans and he was obviously a Knicks fan and stuff like that. I, I like that part. Um, JD, did you have a favorite, like a favorite scene in this movie? You, you said you enjoyed it overall, but did you have one, you know, stick out particular? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of favorite scenes. Okay. Um, there's a lot of great movies, or a lot of great scenes in this movie. Um, I loved the part where uh, it was at this after the Seder, I guess at uh, Dina, um, which is Dina Menzel's character. I guess it's her, her family's uh uh, Passover supper, I guess. Yeah. And she's wearing her bat mitzvah dress and he basically <laughs> asks to, for her to take him back. Yeah. And there's a moment where you, where, you know, he sort of puts on his, his cute face and she just rejects him outright. And it's just, mm. it's one of the, I love her in that character and I just love what she says to him. Basically you you've got, you are the most annoying person that I've ever met. <laughs> And uh, your face is stupid, and uh, like we don't know exactly what he did to her, but obviously it was uh, it was not good. And uh, and I don't know, there's a lot of un- there's a lot of a lot of things happening in that scene that I just love, like the the fact that you know he just basically threw out his younger girlfriend, and then he sees his wife wearing this dress that's basically for a young woman like yeah and she still fits into it so it's like oh uh, maybe i'll just go back to her and <laughs> and uh you know and this this sort of theme where everybody in this movie is an uncut gem quote unquote and uh, uh howard is one and certainly dina is one and basically you can lose the, they all lose their lusters sort of thing. You know what I mean? Over time, Howard mm-hmm. to Dina, definitely. It's like, oh, this guy's just a rock. He's no gem, right? And then mm-hmm. for her, for him, he's like, she did lose her luster, but oh, wait, she's just shined up in this young girl's dress. So, uh, you know, maybe I should go back to her. And it's, uh, I, that's just one of many scenes where where that theme is played out. But I just I just love that scene between the two of them. It's like Adina Manzel was frozen in time. Oh, Tassie. (laughs) Very, very nice. Had to let it go, Uh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, did you guys, did you guys, like speaking of relationships, you're talking about um, Howard with his wife or ex-wife or whatever you want to call her. Um, Did you find the relationship believable between Julia um, and Howard? Like, like they're set up and, and how they, like, could you imagine how they would come together? Was that believable to everybody? To me, that's the one problem I had with the movie. I think that it is believable, and by the end of it, the movie, I, I definitely think that Julia was lo- loved and was in love with Howard, and vice versa. But it was hard to tell <laughs> what she saw in him. You know, mm. there's he's he is uh, he is an antihero for sure, but it's hard to see. You know, he's and other than. Adam Sandler himself shining through this character. There was very, very little of the charming, funny guy who could who could convince uh, a young, hot girl like that to go with him at his age. Right, you know, right. and and I, I guess I wanted to see more more of that, like the like a, like like a lot, just some more redeeming qualities, like a Tony Soprano or uh, uh, name any other uh, antihero. You know, like. That's what I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it seemed like the the beginning scenes before we knew the relationship. You know, when she was uh, lying in in that apartment and he was texting her, I thought that her um, her company was paid for, mm. and it never it was never really sold yeah, to me. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I just thought she was kind of uh, convinced or, or thought that he had more money and more power. Uh, and that was what she was kind of attracted to that you know he was this you know high-end jeweler even though 
he kind of wasn't really that wealthy and wasn't really that powerful but you know a young woman kind of just believed that he was Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's how she sort of, because she was adamant she wanted to stay with him when he tried to kept, keep breaking up with her and stuff. And then she gets the tattoo and everything. And it's just, to me, almost like she's maybe trying to convince herself that, like, you know, he's not perfect, but stick with him because he's, um, you know, he's connected and he's going to be wealthy one day. You know, because when, when she uh, is watching the game, when she's just laid that big bet for him, you know, you could see how excited she was. So I think she thinks that's more likely what their life is going to be if right. they were to be together rather than, you know, him always running from debt collectors and always trying to hide. In, in the end, he's going to be this big, wealthy gambler. But ultimately, us watching it are like, no, that's not going to be what's yeah. going to happen. He's yeah. going to screw you over. Trey, do you have a, a favorite scene in this movie? Uh, when KG first shows up to the jewelry store, I thought was an incredible scene. Just, I mean, that's where you have the Tony Allen over Ben Wallace talk. He's freaking out about seeing this gremlin chain. He's also <laughs> wearing a leather jacket that is just covered in NBA patches. Like, they're black patches, so you can't really tell. But it's like, there's a Pistons logo on there for sure, which is very funny to see somebody actually wearing a just NBA jacket. But <laughs> I just felt like once he popped in there, you're like, this movie is on. He's so obsessed with the stone. There's so many good lines in there. From a stone to a stone, you know Garnett's a stone, right? Yeah, He's like, yeah, a this is a line. dinosaur stone. I just thought it was great. I just thought um, seeing his energy in there in that tiny little room with uh, with Adam Sandler, with the, the Lone Shark enforcers who are the, just there kind of hanging out, and you've got that little bit of a beef right when Sandler's coming back to the room. Then finally the gem shows up. I just thought that was an awesome scene. And that's just, is that the same scene where he breaks the case? from? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I was so like, that part, I love that part because throughout that crazy manic scene, yeah, Sandler keeps saying, Howard keeps saying, Watch the glass, KG. Yeah. Watch the glass. Get your arms off the glass. And you, I sort of was like in the moment going like, okay, just relax. I don't know why you keep saying that. And then, then of course, it pays off with the, the shattering of KG just putting too much pressure on it. And it is actually... Have you guys ever been to like like a um, a jewelry place like that? Like that type of place where you have to get buzzed in through those sort of man trap doors? Has anyone uh, of you guys here li- been in one of those places? Nah. Still working no, my right way up, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't, okay. I haven't been in one like that with a jewelry store, but uh, when I was in New York City, I was trying to buy a video camera once for New Year's Eve, and <laughs> I felt that same sort of intimidation and sort of bullying in from the, the shop uh, keeper because they really, really wanted to sell me a video camera. And it was like it was like $400. This was for New Year's Eve in 1999. I wanted to capture it. You know, I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. But we just we, we couldn't quite get to the right price because they basically had sold me one for about 450 bucks. And just before he closed the deal, he said, you know, you can get a better quality one for like 100, 150 bucks more. And he pulled that one out. Yeah. And I yeah. saw the difference. I saw the difference in the quality. And I was like, well, I don't want this $450 one anymore, but I'm not paying 600 bucks either because I can't afford that. <laughs> and the guy got really, really pissed off at me, you know, like, oh, is there, what else you want me to show you? What else you want me to do to get the, the deal and stuff? And I was just like, all right. And I just had to, I, I ran and I was like, man, I, I felt like, I didn't think I was going to get whacked, but uh, I didn't want to be around there any longer. Yeah, it's, it, it is weird. I've, I've been, uh, when I was buying uh, an engagement ring for Nora, uh, she, I've said it before, Nora's Armenian. And so she has an uncle that's an Armenian jeweler and in Toronto, so not New York City, but like this, like this, um, the building dynamic. And again, those like, double doors to get in the bulletproof doors and all this and like uh, there's another jeweler down the the hallway and all that like that's spot on exactly how it was like in my weird experience of going with her uncle to buy a buy a ring from a guy he knows who knows this guy and it's going to be a great deal <laughs> and i just sat there the entire time like they were all speaking in armenian and i had really no idea what was going on i was just like well who am i giving my money to uh just point me in the right direction but it is it was exactly like that the at least the backroom sort of dynamics uh of what they were getting at here in uncut gem so they nailed that perfectly too tas do you have a favorite scene in this movie Favorite scene. Yeah. I mean, I hated the weekend's contribution to this oh, okay. to this movie. Favorite because I hated it. First of all, it was weird in that they they they're you know we're we're tracking back whatever it is a decade here and saying oh this yeah. weekend guy he's up and coming he might be big even and, though he's and, from Canada 
even though he's from Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so, okay, I guess that's just to reel in a star into your movie credits. Sure, fine. But then they do nothing with him. He basically says, I need a black light. And then he has three song- <laughs> He has three lines of a song. Yep. And then he's in the bathroom, and I guess it is accurate in that he was an up and coming star, and the security guard didn't really care about guarding his bathroom door. So I guess that's fairly accurate. But I just I was surprised that they didn't do anything with Abel. I, I think he could he could pull something off a little bit more. He is he's he's capable of acting. Um. But all in all, uh. So I told you the, the scene I hated. Uh, I, I I think um, I don't know. I, I, him in the trunk was fine. I, it was you know. Him, oh, yeah. I, I hated the fact that he's at his school play and the hitmen are there to to do their their business. And he goes out into the hallway and he tries to whack the hitmen and run. Uh, I immediately think, I mean, what is what is he, what is he trying to accomplish there? But yeah. it plays into Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler's character's dumbness in a way, and uh, and it all pays off. Like I, I didn't think they tried to overextend Adam Sandler as well. Like they just made him dumb and dumb and dumb, and they didn't really try and do the whole circle back and try and redeem him. And that's why I don't think anyone really cared about him or cheered for him. And so that that scene in that theater was really stupid. Why is he? Tr- Does he think he can like hit two hitmen? There's two of them there, and <laughs> run. I mean, that's. But but that's Adam Sandler's character. So that was fun. That was fun. Yeah, I I have the one like problem I had throughout the movie was a little bit of like who was in control of like getting the money from Howard, like like Arno, and then those other guys with him. Do you know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. That part was a little strange to me at times. Like, Arno was the... He's the loan shark who is also his brother-in-law, right? right? Mm. And then I think their names were, like, Phil and Nico, like, the two, you know, the the muscle, I guess. They Are they working for Arno? Are they working alongside Arno? Are they their own thing? Do you know what I mean? That was definitely... That part was a little confusing. Yeah, that was my impression, that he had hired them to... To basically collect on, uh, yeah. on Howard, right? Yeah. But then they be, he loses control of them. Obviously. Yes. Okay. Okay. And I think that getting back to the theater scene, I think that you are a hundred percent right, Tass. Until, but but when that scene happens, you don't realize that Arno is Howard's brother-in-law. Right. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. when they're in the car, he's like, don't say my name. Don't say yeah, my name. And then yeah. it's a great performance from Eric Bog- uh, Bogusin. Is that his name? Bogusin? Anyway. Could uh, be another Armenian. Armenian. Yep. As, right. uh, as, uh, as Arno, yeah, just on his face, he's just like, I, I feel terrible about this, I, that it's come to this. And you sort of, you, you know that there's a history between them, but you, you have no idea what the relationship between them is until he shows up at the Seder, right? Mm-hmm. In which case, it kind of does make sense to him. I don't think that that uh, Howard would have felt the the threat of of hitmen or 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 collectors because it's a hey, it's my brother in law. What what is he going to do to me? Is he going to kill mm-hmm. me? He's going to humiliate me, and and he does he by putting him, which explains why they 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 took him back to his own car and put him naked in his own trunk because. He is a family member. It's not like he's just uh, a random degenerate gambler mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, there's going to be consequences if he hurts him too badly, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I did find it cool in the end. Brother-in-law uh, was sort of cheering along with Adam Sandler in that championship in the in the game seven bet. He was he was looking on and wondering and saying, like, are they winning? And he was kind yeah. of into it, which was uh which was neat. He barely said anything, um, but you know, through his uh, body language, even at that the dinner, like he was, uh, he was sympathizing with him uh, a little bit. So that was you know to see that human element without without the power of it was just the power of body language. Yeah. So it really wasn't many lines. It was good. I I love that those guys um, Arno and then the two guys Phil and Nico. They are they are caught in that little again that little cage that little man trap whatever the hell it's called the part where you've got to go through like a couple doors to get into a place yeah. like this I love that because earlier in the movie and we talked about it like every damn scene puts you on edge in this movie just complete ride where you're just your nerves are shot there's that scene where 
the door won't open. Mm-hmm. And I was like the whole time, like, I'm like, this is sort of completely pointless. Like they're just trying to create more tension. Yeah. There's buzzing and everybody's yelling and like, let me in. Everybody's knocking on the window. <laughs> buzz, buzz. Bang. Yeah. Like it, they're just like building up tension and tension. And I was sort of like, okay, fine. But this seems sort of pointless that we're trying to get these guys like through the second door. You know what I mean? But then it paid off. Like yeah. there was a, there was a reason why they did that, and then it was that he could then trap those guys in there. So I was like upset. I remember like in real time, like okay, you didn't really need to do that, guys. And then of course it was uh, perfectly played. So I was like, oh, kudos. Yeah, it's a, the vestibule in general was a great device throughout the the movie. But that scene in particular, that's the most stressful scene to watch for me, uh, especially when he brings the hammer out <laughs> and starts <laughs> yeah. banging on it, and they're all like, ah, my ears, you know. Yeah, uh, it's it's great. Yeah, and my kids were crying their asses off during that scene, meaning it oh. was definitely tense. Like they had they had no idea what's happening, but it translated even to infants. Oh my god! I mean, we are tense. on we are on an incredible streak of movies here in film sessions where there is a lot of yelling and a lot of loud noises. Because oh, yeah. white man can't jump, there's a lot of yelling. Uh, Coach Carter, there's a lot of yelling, and this uh, we continued our theme here. Uh, you know, unbeknownst to us. Man, holy crap, is this movie loud, like you guys said. Uh, Just wait until we get to air button, the dog's barking like crazy. (laughs) Someone shoot that dog! Um, There was one other thing I just didn't really love about the movie, because I thought it was a little, like, what's the point? Those two... uh, Those two guys that look sort of similar, like those wild hair, (laughs) white-haired guys... Um, that were, I guess, what, yeah. just other guys trying to, like, collect their money and stuff like that yeah. um, from Howard. Okay, that's fine, because you want to sort of get across that he's such a schmuck and he's got all these things going, all these plates in the air spinning, like you said, JD. But those guys, they didn't really have any sort of payoff. I actually thought they were going to at the end when there was the exchange of the money and Howard's like, Julia, go bet. Like, take the take the helicopter and go bet. I thought one of those guys was going to screw it up, um, like the process of it all, but he did it. He was, she was like, just go away. And, he's, yeah. and she's I like, did I, I don't know if anybody else thought what they thought about those two, uh, those two wild haired guys that looked like uh, very weird <laughs> versions of the twins from the matrix. Just the strangest version of them. Well, I definitely thought something was happening with that guy who was chasing her down in the hallway mm-hmm. too. But I guess that's another example of God, every scene could be, it could yeah. have some huge event to it. And, and we felt like I felt every single moment. Yeah, something was going to happen. But there's always those guys that don't have enough uh, conviction to do anything. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Played, it was a character type, I guess. The biggest issue I had with the entire movie is that it's based around the second round of Philadelphia versus Boston Celtics. There's even a line from Sandler where he says, they're not even supposed to be there. Because they're not. This happened immediately after Derrick Rose blew his knee out for the Bulls in the 2012 playoffs. So the Sixers, as an eight seed, move on uh, to play it. The Bulls were 3-1 and against Boston that season. Best record in the league. They weren't supposed to be there. No wonder Sandler was betting on the Celtics. Yeah, I guess so. That's right. Um, that's a great point. They were the, was that, they were the eight seed, yeah? The Sixers that's were, right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they were starting Spencer Hawes. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh any other like random sort of observa- observations from this movie, Lee? You got anything that stuck out to you? Uh, not really. Just um, you know, sort of going back to the the start. Like I felt like that first scene just never really ended. In, in or not the first scene, but when when it starts, it just feels like you've been watching it for like you know an hour or so, and it's like, oh man, this is just like that. You know, it's that this one really long day at work where he's just, you know, got angry customers, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's disorganized, he's chaotic, but he's still trying to get the get the win, you know, he's still looking for that big payoff and then when it when it turns up in the in the fish, you know, that that's when he thinks all of his problems are solved and you just sort of like you think this is why he's in such a, a mess with his whole life because he can't organize or he can't keep anything under control but he's just looking for that quick rich like finally i've, I've made my um you know I've, I've got my i've got my big payoff here or payday and then um and then later on when you see when the uh, evaluation is way less than what he thought it was going to be and he gets so angry in the hotel lobby there and he starts just going off at the at the girls and he's like no this is you know this is wrong this is bullshit get her on the phone right now and you just again like to me it ties back to just how 
He has no control over what he's doing. He's just impulsive yeah. and reactionary. And that's why it's so frustrating for me because it, you don't cheer for him, you know, because you just think, why don't you just, can't you just get anything in your life straightened out properly <laughs> first? You know, um, like, like I say, like he's, he's, cheat, he's cheating on his, on his wife and his son, when his son needs to take a dump, you know, and the guy basically, um, you know, his neighbor basically says, uh, you know, uh, dobs on him and says, yeah. you know, your, your, dad's, uh, your dad's got a, a mistress in there. And even in that scene, he starts sort of yelling at his son saying, don't listen to him. Don't, because again, he just doesn't know how to keep anything under any sort of like um, control. It's just all, it's just all crazy and it's all, hey, uh, it's all going to blow up in his face. Um, and it's, it tends to do that the whole time. So um, you, you sort of just want him to learn his lesson at some point, but he never really does. Lee, I want to know though, do you believe in the power of a gem? Are you a gem man? <laughs> well, after watching KG's performance, I think maybe I am, yeah. Because, uh, you know, he was a great character for that, just to see him just obsessed with it in the locker room at halftime, wasn't it, as well? I think of the game where um, you can oh, hear yeah. Doc Rivers kind of talking. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I couldn't tell if that was actually Doc Rivers or Lee doing a Doc Rivers impersonation. <laughs> yeah, according Doc to IMDb, it was him. Yeah, it yeah. was Doc Rivers in yeah. the in the credits. Just the voice, though. They, I think the, yeah. the Safdie brothers reached out to him and said, we're not going to write you like a halftime speech, but we... Remember there, that, there was word that... Um, Rivers had some sort of speech where, like, we're cockroaches, they can't kill us. Like, that sure. was an actual yeah. speech that he had said in real life. So they said, like, maybe you can do some variation of that or, like, basically just write whatever you want. Uh, we really liked the sound of that one, and I guess that's what Doc did and then and then voiced it. He sort of just did another version of that. Um, but, yeah, so you don't really uh, – but you don't have any gems in your house, do you, Lee? Not that I know of, no. A few diamonds in Roxana's jewellery there, but uh, oh, okay, no, very nice. No, 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 no. Joe, but the thing is with Kevin Garnett, I'm interested to see now what role he takes next because um, I can sort of see him being like a standover man, like a like a hitman himself, you know, like someone bringing along him. Remember again, sort of referencing Snatch. Remember Vinnie Jones, who played mm-hmm. Bullet Tooth Tony. Yeah, you know, he was a former. Uh, British soccer player and he actually acted really well in uh, in Snatch and I can sort of see KG taking on a role like that as well you know like being a, a, a tough guy because he's got the great look he's big he's intimidating put a gun in his hand I think KG would you know slide into that role pretty effortless, effortlessly so I'm interested to see what, what role he does take next Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? we are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix, which is an awesome, awesome thing to say, has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. They help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. That's key. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30 day supply and you can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code NODUNKS at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code NODUNKS for 25% off your first order. Thank you. Drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code NODUNKS. All one word. Stay hydrated. I uh, I had closed captioning on for this movie. We just uh, we had it on for something prior, some British show. I'm sure Nora was watching, where you uh, sometimes are helped to have the closed captioning on. We just didn't turn it off. There was a couple funny like mistakes. Every uh, when Howard kept saying he's got the jam, he's 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 saying he's got the gem. He's got the gem. It kept being it written on the screen as he's got the jam, which I, for some reason got a kick out of. It just said it a million times. He's got the jam, and then Amari, whoever was doing it, 
They didn't know how to spell Amari Stoudemire because Amari's mm. name is like dropped once or twice in this movie, and every time it was A M A R I instead of the E on the end. Mm. So that was a, a very small observation from the closed captioning world. <laughs> uh, we're closed captioning crew over here as well. Um, but yeah, I would I would feel sorry for the closed captioners to actually have to oh. try and keep up with the speed of this dialogue. Yeah, they almost. In fact. Yeah, there were parts that they didn't even care to put in because there, like <laughs> there was like too much talking going on. So they're like, ah, don't worry about that line. Uh, oh, I love to see an indistinct talking on the closed captions. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, this was, I don't know about you guys. Uh, it was, when I first looked, it was supposed to be $4.99 to rent this thing. Uh, but it was a reduced price down to $2.99. So I actually took the $2 I saved and then I did I did like a five marble play on Sunday's Marbula <laughs> 1 race. Uh, I lost it all. But um, hey, what a, what a deal saving two bucks. I don't know about you guys. I don't, I don't know if I got a deal actually. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I was Pissed. so pumped. I also loved that they... Uh, even though they're Knicks fans, uh, the the Safdie brothers, I love that they they got in a rip uh, on James Dolan. Like they could they couldn't resist. Uh, yeah. Just so perfectly played. That Any was other- funny. Also in the same uh, in the same conversation, love to hear a little Chris Paul is overrated talk from 2012. I was 100% on board with there, but I do think that this does make a little bit of a nice advertisement for gambling because you saw four guys trapped in a room going crazy over a game that was 85 to 75. Eight (laughs) made three-pointers. Like, this was a terrible game that they're watching, but they're going crazy for it. Yeah, you're not wrong. I kept thinking that, too. I was like, what do I remember from this Sixers-Celtics series uh, way back, uh, it being a real series? And I... I couldn't really remember much um, because I don't think it was that entertaining, despite going long, uh, despite going all the way to seven games. I don't remember a lot of super close games um, within the series. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know if any of you First two games were both one-point games. Oh, so I Mm -hmm. didn't remember that to save my life. Because I did read when they were having to do all these, like, rewrites of the script, uh, the Safdie brothers, like... Uh, you know, because once it was it was going to be Embiid, and then or it was going to be Amari, and it was going to be Kobe. So like when it was changing from you know potential sort of NBA player to NBA player, they had to be like, well, when is a realistic part where the guy has a really good game, and then he has a really bad game, and then another really good game? Because that's sort hmm. of what happens with the Opal, right? So they yeah. were like yeah. sort of struggling to find. Um, like a, a Garnett stretch where it was like he was good and then bad and then good and then like this is where they sort of you know they they fell on that that, that playoff series because he did have that sort of one clunker of a game because he, otherwise he had a really good year. One one other thing uh, that was kind of interesting was uh, Mike Francesca getting a, a, a yeah. cameo in there. He was I, great. I, I th- yeah, I said it. I because I watched it and I said, "Gee, that looks like that that you know New York guy." I didn't know you know, <laughs> and I thought, and then afterwards I'm like, "Oh, it is him." I mean, geez, you know, that's incredible. But uh, but he he was good, and I just thought, uh, you know, again, pretty well. Um, cast i thought everyone you know they did seem to do a good job the safety brothers getting the right characters there uh, uh, you know they were they were kind of believable because you had you know the new yorkers the street new yorkers and uh, you know they're all they're all shifty and they're all uh, a little bit untrustworthy but if there's a chance they can make a few bucks then they're all willing to listen so yeah you know, I, 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 I was uh, uh, disappointed we never i don't think we ever heard someone say hey i'm walking here <laughs> we, we never got one i'm walking here that that would have put it over the top for me uh before we make uh you know before we score this are there any other uh notes from this movie that you guys want to throw out there either questions you had favorite scenes just random observations thought it was great hearing um the 2012 iphone ring again it'd been a long time since i'd heard the but what a throwback really uh really set the scene and yeah the weekend scene was kind of kind of weird i guess just driving a little bit more drama there but it did remind me a little bit of when tony parker got his eyes all destroyed because there was a fight between Drake and Chris Brown at a nightclub. Oh, yeah, yeah. I suppose this is how that sort of thing happens. Yeah, yeah. And I think Tass was spot on in saying, like, they found out that The Weeknd was interested being in the movie. So they're like, well, let's just put him in the movie and we'll, you know, even if he doesn't have a, you know, a, a key uh, part here in this movie, who, who mm-hmm. cares? We get, you get to put him on the marquee and people might be interested to see him. And he was fine. I mean, he's playing himself. Um, but there was, it was sort of not really didn't drive the 
didn't drive the plot that much having him in it. But it hey. kind of did for me, to be honest. Really? Yeah, just well, because. Well, because uh, I read an article, like, I don't know where I read it, but uh, they basically compared, like, the gambling aspect or the gems in this movie to, uh, to like, the gold sickness that uh, the dwarves feel in, in The Hobbit, if you guys have seen that or read it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes them crazy, right? Like, they become obsessed with it. And there's a, there's a theme here, and I can't quite put my finger on it because I'm not that smart, but... There's a the way that Howard and Julia specifically they act around celebrities, around status. You know what I mean? As yeah. soon as KG walks into the shop, Howard is like, "All right, KG's here," and he's just sort of like dazzled by him. He he mm-hmm. looks at KG the way KG looks at that stone. You know, Ooh, that's good. And uh, and Julia, who is as it's as we sort of established by the end, like she gets Howard's name tattooed on her ass for Christ's sakes. So she loves him, but she is, she's being seduced by this guy who's about to blow up. Right. Yeah. Like he is, he's a, he's a celebrity. He is, he is a, a diamond, right? Like he is, she, she gets seduced by him basically. And it seems as though she's, she's very much like, no, don't touch. No, no touching, no touching, no touching. But there is sort of a subtext there that if this goes on much longer and they do enough coke, well, there's going to be some touching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and 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 it was it's a great catalyst for for Howard to blow up and basically kick her out. And then she's if she gets kicked out, she loses everything. She has no family. She has nowhere to live. And it just makes the stakes that much bigger for Julia. So I, I was fine with the weekend scene. And also KG and the weekend, they sort of, you know, they, they're kind of dicks in a way, like, like no fault of their own, I guess. But KG just walks into the, into the, into the place. He, he looks at everything. He leans on the, he leans on the, uh, the glass case it breaks and he still has the balls to say hey loan me that potentially million dollar <laughs> opal because i want to have it when i go play tonight and you know the weekend at the club is just like you know what i'm not i'm not playing until there's black lights we talked about black lights if then and I, if there's no black lights i'm not i'm not performing right and this yeah, is kind yeah. of a dick thing to do you know but they're celebrities the, you're saying yeah exactly like they, exactly they could they whatever they say goes and everybody just bows down and like yes yes no problem exactly we'll, we'll make that happen for you yeah right yeah, that's fair and uh, so yeah i don't i'm i'm not sure i'm not sure what the safties are trying to say there but there's something there and uh and i kind of liked the the i like the the uh the parallels between the 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 diamond the precious stones and celebrity and status and all that and yeah, money. the only problem with that is like okay, the weekend's on the come up at this point in the movie, but Trinidad James is right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah see you just dropped a who on me you don't even know oh my goodness he would have been big around that time wouldn't he have tk i don't know that would have been around i mean 2012 was when uh all gold everything dropped for sure right right but they had to repeat the song in it so that you remembered what song they were talking about yeah. and who this guy was yeah that's right all right so let's uh Trinidad let's... james was that a uh was that one of those uh jump man runs during the all-star yeah, week absolutely once? he's got a pretty good shot if i remember correctly yeah he's not a bad yeah. he's yeah. not bad I think it was in new orleans yeah, yeah, ask Lang Whitaker about it. I remember him hitting a jumper right in his face. Yeah. Might have been 2012. <laughs> yeah. It, Maybe, yeah. It could or 20, have been. No, 2014 um, it would have been okay. if it was New Orleans. Was it? Because we were out there. I think, yeah. it, I, I think it was. I think it was, yeah. Okay. Um, so let's uh, let's score this. I mean, you can go uh, you, whatever it is you want to score it out of um, and whatever your scale is. Taz, why don't you get us started? What are you scoring this thing? I'm giving it nine opals out of ten opals. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Oh, you liked it better than I thought you you did. I let on. Yeah, I yeah, was into like it. I mean, didn't it's, like it. no, 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 no. And the it, it got me. It got it got me in terms of being on the edge of my seat the entire time. Hmm. I didn't, and, and I was I wasn't invested in Adam Sandler's stock at all. Like the right. fact that, and I think, and I understand people uh, people need that, but in the end, yeah, he got shot right in the forehead. I didn't care. And um, so, you know, I, I guess I guess I just didn't have high expectations going in. Like, I'm not I'm never going to rewatch this. And, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, I was thrilled. I can't deny it. One one thing with the, the opals you said there, you're scoring at nine out of ten. Do you think 
Like, did Howard know instinctively that KG was going to love the Opal? Or was it just like, uh, let's just throw this at the wall and see if it sticks? Uh, <laughs> Good question. Uh, maybe he's just assuming this is, and everybody's going to love this thing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And it was just like a coincidence. It felt like a coincidence that it just arrived when KG was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that he's like, oh my God. Yeah, everybody, you got to check this out. Or don't leave. KG, don't leave. You're going to want to see this. Yeah, yeah maybe I've... it was more like, let me just show everybody this thing that I got for obviously much cheaper than what I think is going to be a million dollar gem. Yeah. Right. I think it was just showing up for, yeah. Yeah. for KG. Uh, and then KG just fell in love with it. It was a, it was a nice stone, no doubt. Um, okay, so uh, Lee, why don't you score this? Yeah, well, given the uh, crazy gambling angle, I'm going to give it uh, three Cam Stewart's out of four. <laughs> I thought, uh... <laughs> I felt, Unders I the picks! <laughs> I would have loved to see Cam Stewart in this movie. Oh, a Cam Stewart cameo at the... At the even if it was at the casino, yeah. would have been perfect. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can sort of see him easily being a friend of um, of uh, Howie's there. So uh, yeah, yeah, maybe Howie gets away. He goes on uh, an island vacation, shows up at a resort. Swim up, bar, look ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so three out of four, uh, Cam Stewart's um, for Lee. What do you What do you got, JD? Uh, I'm sticking with my bobbleheads. It's a four out of five bobbleheads. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I it it was great. I loved the 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 gems theme. I loved the gambling theme. Everything everything is a gamble for uh, for Howard. He always has to be gambling. That's it. Like whether he's gambling on a game or whether he's buying an opal from Ethiopia and he doesn't know exactly how much he's going to get for it. Could be a million dollars. Turned out to be one hundred and sixty five thousand dollars. But and just I thought the ending was great as well. When uh, when we fly through that bullet hole and we end up uh, we end up looking at the universe as the oh, credits roll. That's right. That's right. Okay, so good score from uh, JD as well. Trey, I'm in the gambling world as well. I'm giving this five out of six parlay bets hit. <laughs> <laughs> really been enjoying this uh, run of degenerate content since going into the quarantine. White men can't jump. You've got this, and I mean, Tiger King is like all just a whole bunch of degenerates. People trying yep. to scheme and scam their way to a higher status. Uh, I feel like that's probably what we're all doing right now, figuring out ways to make our lives better without trying that hard. That's right. I'll go back to the shop and I'll give it uh, four Furby necklaces out of five. Um, which uh, I guess you can buy, you can actually buy one of those Furby necklaces I saw on, I think, StockX, like for $1,000. Um, so I don't know what Howard was selling his for in the right. shop, but uh, <laughs> I did like this movie too. It sounds like we all actually really you know, enjoyed it. And yeah. this was one when we were saying we were going to watch. There were people, again, I know I say this, it feels like every time with every movie we're about to do, but it did feel like there were people like, oh, I love this movie. It's a wild ride. And then there's people, yeah, like I guess we saw from the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes that are just like, ugh, this movie is not for me. I just, there's no one to root for. I don't want to feel that way for mm. two hours. And, uh, you know, why am I cheering for a degenerate gambler? And uh, yeah, and that they don't like it. But I, I was... I was all in for that uh, fun, fun two hours just living on the edge uh, with with tip balls and jumpers from KG from the elbow. <laughs> I was living and dying. It was nice to have some basketball in our life, like Tess said too. Yeah, all right, so I, uh, I looked up how much it would cost to get a blade from uh, from New York to the Mohegan Sun, just because I was curious. Yeah, and it's like between five and uh, eight hundred dollars. But the point, the reason I'm bringing it up, Lee, is because now all I get in my Instagram feeds is a ads for taking a blade helicopter somewhere wow <laughs> really right. yeah Maybe, yeah i guess yeah. it's slow time for them right now because uh, yeah, staying home. yeah. Hasn't, hasn't been a good year i would say for them no no for sure all right so let's uh what we think of this movie uncut gems let's hear from you guys uh, holler at us on Twitter at No Dunks Inc. hashtag No Dunks with uh, your takes on the movie or how you would score it if you're a fan of it or not. Later today, uh, I'm going to talk to Hall of Famer David Aldridge about his proposal for resetting the NBA postseason and actually a, a, a sort of slick way to engage some of the lottery teams. He has an article up on The Athletic and I want to pick his brain about how he made some of the decisions or proposals that he was throwing out in that article. So we'll talk to him later today on Monday. On Tuesday, we got a brand new edition of Squad. 
Guys, we're going to be drafting our all sitcom team. Um, this one could be a lot of fun. Yeah, we got some fun categories where we're zeroing in on just sitcoms. I can't wait to already uh, argue with you guys about what is a sitcom and what isn't. I can already see that coming. Um, and then on Wednesday, we're going to hit the beach to answer your questions and your comments, uh, as I said off the top of the show. So keep your uh, keep those coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Thursday, we got the No Buffs Survivor podcast. And we got a couple other uh, things in store here, too. So it's going to be a very busy week, hopefully, from us as we jump on the phones here and, uh, and make the podcast for you guys. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, they say you can see the whole universe in opals. Embrace the day, people. You could stay-